Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So tonight's reading, in my mind, with things I've been preaching on the last several weeks, is a beautiful connection, because last Wednesday we saw the dangers and seriousness of sin, and that you have to cut off sin, that you have to perform radical surgery, so that you do not end up in hell by letting sin dwell and remain in your life, by not taking it seriously. And then Sunday we saw the dangers of temptation from 1 Corinthians. And now there's temptations all around, and Paul goes through the ones, the main ones, not all of the ones, from the wilderness wanderings. But they promised the way of escape in Christ Jesus. And then tonight in Hebrews, we have a connection with that that also sets us up for Sunday. Because Sunday, Jesus is going to warn about the destruction of Jerusalem. And why does that come about? Because the Jews harden their hearts. Tonight, flowing out of Sunday and then looking forward to Sunday, we have the author to Hebrews. We'll say Paul, possibly Luke as well. Who's warning us not to harden our hearts. And in fact, not only warning us, but telling us how we can make sure we don't. By encouraging one another. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. In verse 12 says, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. An evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart is one that mishears the word of God. Right? And misconstrues what God says. And because it's an evil heart, that usually means it takes what it hears from God's word and it makes God the enemy. It makes God the bad guy. It makes God the one who's trying to ruin their lives, take away their fun, make it so they can't enjoy things the way they want to. That is the kind of evil heart the author is talking about here. One that mishears and misconstrues God's words. And it does this because it's a heart of unbelief. That is, as a lack of trust, a lack of faith in God's word. Which means it has a lack of faith, a lack of trust in God himself. And throughout the Bible, we're told that this kind of evil heart, this lack of faith, lack of trust, is spiritually suicidal. So in Proverbs, we hear, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Paul says in Titus, to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. An evil heart makes you a fool. You trust in your own heart, but it's a heart of unbelief. Remember, a fool in the Bible is one who does not believe God's word or act upon it. An evil heart makes it so that even your conscience is defiled. You can't see things as pure because your own conscience is burdened with your sin. So what do we pray every Sunday in response to the sermon? Create in me a clean heart, O God. To depart from the word... As he warns here, is to depart from God. It's to apostatize. It's to eventually abandon the faith. That's his warning. Don't harden your hearts. Don't abandon the faith. When you forget the word, it's because your heart's been polluted. And you has been polluted by the world. That is leading you astray from God's word. Right? We saw this Sunday with all the temptations Paul mentions. Right? I was just reading in Luther's large catechism today on Lead us not into temptation. And he says in there 
There's so many temptations on every hand. The devil's constantly going after us that it's no wonder we often fall into sin. So what do we do if this is our situation? He says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. Exhort one another. It's a fun word. In the Greek, it's parakaleo. It comes from the same word that we get paraclete, right? Sometimes we see the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. We sing in the one hymn. That is the comforter, the encourager. So we're to exhort one another. We're to encourage one another. And how do we do that? How do we encourage one another so that we don't harden our hearts? So that we don't get led astray by the deceitfulness of sin? We do that with the word of God. We speak to one another God's words. We do that through hearing God's word, reading God's word, singing God's word, meditating on God's word. I mean, the primary place that happens is in church. We gather together to encourage one another. Your very presence in church encourages other in the race. They're encouraged that you are there. It helps strengthen them for what's ahead. And outside of church, what you learn in church, what you learn in your trials and afflictions, 2 Corinthians, Paul says, the comfort with which you've been comforted, then that comfort you bring to others who are struggling with sin, who have fallen into sin, who are tempted by sin. You warn them with God's law. You comfort them with God's gospel. You pray with them. You pray for them. That is how you exhort one another. That's how you encourage one another. It's through the word of God. It's through prayer. Notice what he says. While it is called today. We heard that in the psalm. We'll hear at the end of the passage here. Today, if you will hear his voice. So what is today? Today is the day of grace. It is the day of unparalleled opportunity. The time called by God. That is the time from Christ's death and resurrection and ascension to write this moment until you die or until Christ returns. That is today. The day you have an opportunity to repent of sin and receive God's grace. So as long as it is today, as long as it's today, from your baptism to your death, it is still today. You still have the opportunity to hear God's words. You have the opportunity to, instead of hardening your heart, to receive it as it's intended to be received by faith alone. Why? Why do we need this so desperately? Why is it so urgent? It says, lest any of you be hardened to the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceptive. Right? This goes back to the heart misconstruing things. And we saw this as well on Sunday. Sin is deceptive. First of all, Satan tries to make you think it's not really a sin. Right? You can blow off God's word. You can ignore his commandments. You can do what you want. But it's not really a sin. At least not for you. Jeremiah 17 warns that the heart is desperately wicked above all things. It's deceitful. And it says, who can know it? Who can really know the depth of their sinful hearts? How deceitful sin really is. And what happens is, we'll look at this in more detail on Sunday because it's really important to our text there, but important to mention here, is that 
the more you intentionally disobey God's word, the more you intentionally go against his word, the more you neglect his word, the more you tune it out, the more you harden your hearts to God's word, to God himself, to sin, and even to yourself. Again, we'll hear more about that Sunday. And the sad thing is, the sinner doesn't realize that's what's happening to them. Right? It's a proverbial frog in the boiling pot of water. It doesn't know that it's being boiled alive. It's slow. It happens over time. And before the sinner knows it, it's swallowed up by a kedia. That is, a boredom with holy things, by a laziness and disinterest in the things of God. It's swallowed up by a lukewarmness. What does Jesus tell us in Revelation about those who are lukewarm, though, towards the things of God? That God will spit them out of his mouth. And so he tells us we have to exhort one another, we have to encourage one another, because today we have the opportunity to do that. And we may not always have the opportunity. There's coming a day, either in our death or when Christ returns, where that's no longer the possibility. So he says we must do that because we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. You are a partaker of Christ. You have a share in Christ. You have an inheritance in him. So in Hebrews, he mentions this several times. He says you are a partaker of the heavenly calling. You're a partaker of the Holy Spirit. You're a partaker of his holiness. You're a partaker of the Holy Spirit. And here, you're a partaker of Christ himself. And you're given all of this in your baptism. So he says here, if we hold the beginning of our confidence to the end, what is the beginning of your confidence? It started in your baptism. And you build on that foundation. You live in it. You confess your sins. You receive God's forgiveness. You receive his grace. And the author here says, Hold on to that, grasp on to it, hold on tight until the very end. Wild is said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts in the rebellion. Right? Today. Today, this day of unparalleled opportunity, this day of grace, he says, don't do it, don't harden your heart, don't do things that are going to lead you astray from Christ. Be on guard. Not just for yourself, though, right? Receive God's word by faith. Receive that grace. And then encourage, exhort one another. Right? The picture in Hebrews, and this comes up much later, all the way in chapter 12, the picture in Hebrews is that we're running a race together. And that we're surrounded by this huge crowd. And it's the saints who have gone before us. And they're cheering us on to the finish line. And throughout Hebrews, it says this multiple times that we are not to leave any man behind. To paraphrase what it's saying. We're not to leave a fellow Christian out of the race. I mean, this just happened in the Olympics, right? That 800-meter runner got clipped in his heel by the guy. They both fell to the ground. He hit his head hard. He's bleeding. And he gets up and he picks up the guy that knocked him down and said, hey, let's finish this. And they finished the race together. That is a view of the Christian life. That is what we are to do. You see someone stumble. You see them get into sin. What do you do? You go to them and say, hey, don't do that. Get back up. Let's finish the race. 
that's the picture Paul has here, or Luke, whichever one it was, of the Christian life. Of what it means to encourage one another. So we all together cross the finish line. So we all together take the opportunity of today. That wonderful, unparalleled opportunity of hearing and receiving God's grace from his word and sacraments. Amen. The peace of God passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.